The following is a presentation of WAER Sports, the original home of the Orangemen. Napier on the move, top of the key in the paint, out to Gorgie, corner three on the way. Oh, Gorgie hit it! Jab step at the right wing. Pump fake, Kawhi will ride for the three ball. He got it! Dagger from the claw! Irving, step back three. Oh! Kyrie Irving buries it for the lead! This week, we're going inside the bubbles. Two sites in Florida housing every single remaining NBA and WNBA game this season. And in a lot of ways, both leagues are a reflection of where society is at right now, even more so than any of the other sports, because the conversations in Orlando and in Bradenton are the ones happening across the country. They're about testing and tracing, but also about social and gender equality. Welcome to Talk Back. I'm Cooper Boardman. Two play-by-play broadcasters are with us this week. First, Alan Horton, radio voice of the Minnesota Timberwolves of the NBA. 28 seconds left. Wiggins off the town screen. Moves to his left. Fires on the three. Oh, and he hit it! Andrew Wiggins answers right back! Horton's a 1996 Syracuse alum from the graduate program that has been with the T-Wolves for 12 years after eight seasons in the WNBA. We'll also hear from Sean Salisbury, a 2018 SU grad and a TV broadcaster for the WNBA's 2020 season. Left elbow for Dolezal, now out to Battle, who tries a three, and it's nothing but nets. Tyus Battle hits his second three of the night and gives Syracuse the lead again, up 20-19. to 19. So, entering this week in their respective bubbles, the WNBA had two positive tests and the NBA had zero. Now, Major League Baseball situation has shown us the fragility of all that. 17 Miami Marlins tested positive in the span of five days this week. But still, Alan Horton, along with Adam Silver and the rest of the league, knows the bubble might be the best shot. I really thought a couple of weeks ago, um, I was on a couple of shows up here, that, that I really thought if they could get everybody down there healthy into the bubble, I, I and, that, and that's kind of proven to be true, that I think the bubble is probably the safest place to be in. Uh, in the country right now, um, it's it's amazing what they've been able to pull off. You know, no positive tests since they've been down there. Um, you know, really strict protocols, but hey, it's working. And um, as Doc Rivers said the other day, uh, maybe they should send the NBA should send their plan to the to the White House because um, it, it shows that with the right guidelines and the right protocol, you know, you can do some pretty incredible things. And they seem to everybody seems to be on board. Um, it's really it's it's cool to be part of a league. I think too that that has a a a good relationship, a good working relationship, open lines of communication between their players and their ownership. The NBA is is just been you know they've been the leaders. I mean they're not the NFL. The NFL is always going to be king. But as far as leadership goes, I think Adam Silver has jumped to the top of you know the sports commissioners. Um, you know, kind of hierarchy, if you want to, or rankings or whatever you want to do. Um, the NBA was the one that really shut down their league immediately and kind of set the pace for the rest of the leagues. Yeah, think about the timeline. The NBA was the first deposit season after a positive test. It was cautious in planning its return. And we've heard all about the stringent measures in place in Orlando. Rashawn Holmes of the Kings crossed the bubbles line to get a delivery order, and he was promptly ordered to quarantine for 10 days. But it's way more than that. Basketball is on the forefront of the social justice conversations as well. Both leagues have Black Lives Matter stenciled on their courts. 
And the WNBA, in particular, has always been ahead on this. Former league MVP Maya Moore is on a two-year hiatus right now, advocating for criminal justice reform. I try to uh, spread the word, tell people about these real human beings that are going through these real situations and, and ways that we can examine our justice system and not assume justice is being served all the time. Moore is in her second straight year off from the game to focus on that work. And on the court, the league has been so, so vocal. Before its first game last weekend, Lasia Clariton of the New York Liberty and Brianna Stewart of the Seattle Storm went to center court with microphones to deliver this message. We are dedicating this season to Brianna Taylor, an outstanding EMT who was murdered over 130 days ago in her home. Brianna Taylor was dedicated and committed to uplifting everyone around her. We are also dedicating this season to Say Her Name campaign, a campaign committed to saying the names and fighting for justice for black women. Black women who are so often forgotten in this fight for justice, who do not have people marching in the streets for them. We will say her name. Sandra Bland, Atiana Jefferson, Dominique Remy Fells, and Brianna Taylor. We will be a voice for the voiceless. Both players wore the name Brianna Taylor on the backs of their jerseys as well. Sean Salisbury is one of the TV voices who will call these WNBA games throughout the season. The 2018 Syracuse alum is walking into a league that's growing. It's pushing social justice conversations forward, and really, it's forcing its way onto a bigger national platform. They're just saying, market us in a similar way. Give us the exposure in a similar way, and that's what they're really trying to move forward with. You know, it really started last year signing a, a new deal with CBS. It's just the, like, we understand. We know we're not going to draw the same numbers, but even the opening weekend, I mean, they were getting major numbers, not only compared to last year, but if you look at it compared to college basketball, like on ESPN, CBS, all that, I mean, they're similar, you know? It's not, it's not crazy to say that they deserve more respect, and it's, it's opened my eyes, and it's something that continuously needs to be said that, you know, women as athletes, SIDs, you know, administration, top to bottom, you know, and, and what they go through, they they belong in sports. But it's not even that, yeah, we should do it so it makes everybody feel good. It's like, no, the they have the talent and they know what they're doing and they're nice people to work with and they get the job done. And it's something that, you know, if you work in sports, you see it and you get it. It's just trying to continue to create that culture and expand on that. And I think the league does have a great base. They have some diehard fans and they have great supporters. It's all about saying, okay, how can we be better? How can we continue to grow? Because that's ultimately what we want to do, right? We want to continue to make our product better. And so, you know, it's going to be an exciting season. I don't know what's in store. It's going to be a fun seven weeks, but, you know, ultimately it, there's much bigger things at hand and I really credit the players for using their platform to try to create change and what they continue to talk about with having uncomfortable conversations, you know, about Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and Black Lives Matter and why it's important for them to continuously speak on those messages. Because just because they're playing, this stuff doesn't go away. I'm sorry. If you're looking for sports to come to as a distraction from all the world, well, you know what? Like, they have a great platform to speak for those who can't. And I'm just in awe of what these women and supporters have accomplished and what they're going to continue to accomplish. It's going to be a lot of fun.
And for all the gray Twitter profiles that say they'll boycott sports when politics are a part of them, it hasn't seemed to matter. The WNBA's opening weekend TV audience was its largest in eight seasons. And on Monday, ESPN Networks announced it's adding 13 more nationally telecast games to its schedule. When those games go to the air, they'll be broadcasted from a remote site. Salisbury will do his for NBA TV, League Pass, and a few regional networks from a studio in Tampa, Florida. That is something that Alan Horton knows all about. When the Timberwolves season stopped, he called games in the NBA 2K League. I was asked to call the games um, from my kitchen. We, you know, talking about do, understanding the technical side of things, um, it was it was a trial by error. The first uh, three or four games, I, I think I was overmodulated in one. I think uh, I think the connection wasn't good in another. We couldn't get uh, crowd effects on another. Uh, we finally, I think, got it figured out by by game five. But it was interesting, you know, trying to call a game off the screen. Another alley oop. Oh, Jay Money will throw that one down. I found that I, if I put that, you know, I have a big screen TV that I actually used for uh, for TV at my home that I just hooked up and and put almost you know two or three feet in front of me. Um, and it, you, after a while, you just kind of if you just zoom in on that screen. Salute to the outside. Stevens tries another one. Have a day. Azaree Stevens. You almost trick yourself into thinking, hey, I'm right here. I'm just going to call <laughs> this. I'm going to get into it. Uh, and, and I actually passed along some of that information to some of my colleagues who are who are doing it for the first time with this with this uh, Orlando restart. Um, nobody, you know, TV, local TV and radio are not traveling to Orlando, so they're all doing it back from their home arenas, basically. Um, and so they've got to figure out a way to kind of you know, it almost takes you back to the way baseball used to be done when, they, you know, in a studio with a ticker tape coming across. And, um, and it is, what's funny about the NBA 2K League, it was very similar to the old school baseball because sometimes the ticker tape would stop. And so we, the NBA 2K thing, sometimes the internet would drop for one of the teams. And all of a sudden you'd see one team just not move. And you're like, wait, why is someone just going right around someone and dunking? And you're like, oh, we have a, we have a delay. And so you'd have to fill. And, 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 you know, back in the days when guys like, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan, in fact, used to call uh, baseball play-by-play off the ticker tape. And, you know, they'd make up rain delays. They'd make up injuries. They'd, they'd do something to fill the time until that ticker tape started back up. So it's, it's, kind, of, um, it's kind of old school. Uh, but as I told some of the other radio guys, you know, I, I think that the group is so talented that, yeah, it'll be, a, it'll be an adjustment. But it will be something they'll be able to overcome because they're just too good uh, at their jobs. Their jobs come down to something Sean Salisbury said. Control what I can control. And that's what we've heard from baseball broadcasters, from hockey and basketball announcers, as sports begin their crawl back, which of course includes the NBA and the WNBA. Those two leagues in particular, they've always been connected. Six franchises are considered sister teams, including Horton's Timberwolves with the Minnesota Lynx. But the connections are way bigger than that because great basketball players simply respect other great basketball players. LeBron James, James Harden, other NBA stars wore WNBA hoodies in their bubble the other day, for example. And by Sunday, it was the top-selling item on Fanatics. Kyrie Irving helped create a $1.5 million fund that helps WNBA players who choose to sit out this season. There is a connection and a commitment to women's hoops. Just ask Doc Rivers of the Clippers. A lot of us have daughters, and, and we want our daughters to have somewhere 
uh, where they can dream to play uh, sports, where, you know, for years, uh, you know, you go to college and you know that's probably the end of the trail. Uh, the WNBA has proven, no, no, there's more basketball to be played. And at a professional level, uh, I think it's wonderful. The thing is, whether it's NBA or WNBA, college hoops or pros, basketball is a game that pushes across genders, across demographics, borders, maybe more than any other sport. It's the same feeling that when Sean Salisbury thinks of his favorite SU memories, he thinks of 2018 and... That NCAA tournament run. And I try to pride myself on you know being a professional, but I grew up a guy that loved college basketball loved it loved it you know eat sleep breathe it straight away battle has it dribbles from his left hand to his right gets a screen starts to drive lobs it up for pascal chukwu and he throws down his third alley-oop of the first half getting into the ncaa tournament as the 68th team and then finding out oh shoot we gotta go to dayton like in 36 hours and that was this it was so much fun being a part of that and even you know, being on the floor for that, like, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I wanted to be prepared and kind of you know, act like you've been there before, but it was just cool. I knew to soak it in and, and be very grateful that I put myself in a position to be here. And I, I'm at a school where with so many alumni and so much support, you know, they make that possible as well. There's just so many things that go into it. And uh, just I'll always remember beating Michigan State in Detroit and where our AER setup was on the court, we were in the second row, so it was a little bit above, but still, you know, on the ground. And right behind us, you know, was Dave Bing, Derek Coleman, Coach Q, John Wildhack, you know, as Mike Tarico was there. I mean, it was just so great to, you know, you just have that moment like, oh my gosh, you know, that they, they might actually do this. A team that you know, was struggling to beat Wake Forest and you didn't know what was going to happen half the season. It was it was a really special moment. So that, that sticks out to me just being the basketball kid. Sean ultimately went on from Syracuse to working a ton of different sports at Jacksonville University. Alan Horton did the graduate program at SU and it was a long and weird road before he got to the pro level. I always tried to keep my options open, um, but it's difficult coming out of school. As everybody knows, it's... Um... You, you, you know, I spent one winter in Vermont just doing, uh, I did high school play-by-play uh, -play -play for basketball. I was working at Killington Ski Resort. Um, I was working for another company that provided ski reports, kind of like traffic reports um, for stations across the country. And so I kept myself busy for one winter there and then moved out to Southern California and, you know, really didn't have a lead and ended up in San Diego and um, just had to cold call my way to one opportunity one guy called me back a former former san diego charger running back and special teams guy hank bauer who had finished his playing days and was the number two sportscaster at uh, kfmb tv in san diego um he was the one guy who called me back he said hey get in touch with our producer the producer said well you know you're really supposed to do it for class credit um we don't really have intern you know interns that aren't doing it for that are paid i said man i just yeah i just need an opportunity and so uh, he kind of fudged my way in, and I never left. I was producing the sports on TV, like, you know, three months later, and then I was producing a sports talk show on the radio side um, shortly after that, so that kind of got the ball rolling. Horton went on to work eight seasons in the WNBA with two franchises. He was the voice of the Lynx when they won titles in 2011 and 2013, so he understands the league and the opportunities it can provide. 
you know, there's there's one head coach, two assistant coaches, a trainer, a PR person, and you. That's basically it for, and then the rest of the, our players. And so you're helping pulling bags off the carousel. You're you're helping loading the bus. You're you're almost acting as kind of a a helper to the trainer, a helper to the coaching staff. It was really. It was really great, and, and and having a relationship with the coaching staff was great because they would let you in the coach's room after the after the game, and, and you'd sit there and um, and and hear what they were thinking. You know, and, you know, you might think one way about the game oh, that was a tough loss uh, or a good win, and but you go in the coach's room and they're they're upset about this or that, and just hearing that hearing that part of it is really um, really makes you a part of it and really gives you an idea of how um, how tough it is to like to to, to coach to coach uh, sports, whether it's, you know, like I said, whether it's men, women, whether whatever level it might be. Um, so the WNBA, I give, uh, you know, they, they really, it was a, it was a great feeder system. And it's, it's one reason why I, I, you know, there's no teams left basically that do radio in the WNBA. It's really changed. Um, and, and so many of us who are in the NBA have our start, got our start in the WNBA. And there's six or seven guys that, that have uh, maybe even more that have ties to the WNBA. So I think we all look back on it really, really fondly as, as giving us an opportunity. And that's it. The WNBA, the NBA, the game of basketball, it's all about opportunity for players and for broadcasters. That's true if you're a 12-year NBA veteran like Horton or you're in your first in the WNBA in the middle of a pandemic like Salisbury. I mean, it was something that we've said on our Zoom calls leading up to this was we're trying to fly the plane as we're building it. So it's just you know a lot of patience, a lot of communication, and just figuring out, okay, what's going to work early so that we can adjust on the fly. It's a seven-week season, so we're trying to get things right as quickly as possible. For the NBA and the WNBA, that's the plan. Between now and October, the NBA will finish its remaining games and play a postseason. Between now and September, the NBA will play an entire season. And so far, those bubbles have been safe. It's a spot where sports can thrive, but also two places with seasons that are dedicated to social justice. Thanks for joining us for our 17th episode. And don't forget, subscribe to TalkBack on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, a big, big thank you to Alan Horton and Sean Salisbury for their time. This was a W8ER Sports podcast produced by Carl Mogline along with reporting from Jaron May. I'm Cooper Boardman, and we'll talk to you next week.